Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And Father, we humbly ask as we just continue now in our worship by opening the word of God and believing that you as the living God want to speak something to us, a timely word that we each individually need to hear this morning, that you would just prepare our hearts. Lord, please take away the distractions in our hearts and minds, even this moment as the holidays pressing in on us. Lord, we just pray, give us grace, help us. And may we give you our full attention this morning. You're worthy of it. We pray that by your spirit now, you would speak into our hearts and that we would genuinely want to hear what you would say to us. So bless your word and may your spirit be the one who teaches us and speaks to us. For we ask expectantly together in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, it's amazing how the power of making one choice has the ability to be able to change so much. You know, one of the greatest gifts in some ways that God has given to us is this incredible ability to actually make choices, to make decisions, and the power and the influence that our choices and decisions have is truly incredible. In fact, we find here in this section of Scripture two sisters who choose different pursuits and we see the resulting outcome as the result of those two different choices and the pursuits these sisters make and I think certainly there are some great lessons for us to to learn from this if you look with me back in verse 38 where the text begins it tells us in verse 38 that it happened as they uh, went that is Jesus and his disciples it's a reference to that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So we see Jesus at this point moving along, traveling with his disciples in his ministry. And in the midst of this, he receives, you might say, a, a dinner invitation. It says there in verse 38 that they entered a certain village. That's a reference we know from John chapter 11 to the village of Bethany. And Bethany was about two miles or so from Jerusalem. We're getting closer to the time in the, the scriptures here that uh, Jesus would be frequenting Jerusalem a lot, not only for the feast, but ultimately he would go there to sacrifice his life upon the cross. And it says that while they were in this area of Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem, a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Now, the fact that it tells us in verse 38 that this was Martha's house, it says her house, uh, and she's the one welcoming, causes many people to believe that Martha is probably the older sister, kind of the matriarch of this home. Uh, we know from other gospel accounts that uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they were siblings, these two sisters and this brother. Uh, it seems they kind of developed this 
kind of connection and relationship with Jesus, almost a friendship type relationship that whenever our Lord would kind of pass through their area, we see Jesus periodically, different gospel accounts, spending time with his family. And it seems they kind of made a connection and a relationship with Jesus. And Martha probably being the older sister, she could potentially be a single woman. Perhaps she's married or unmarried or maybe even widowed. Uh, and it kind of seems to be the one directing the affairs in the home. Uh, and here we notice that she invites Jesus into her home. Now, this could possibly be, though they connect kind of on a friendship level, maybe the first time that they're kind of having Jesus over for dinner. Uh, and this is sort of the first occasion where they're actually going to entertain Jesus. In fact, it tells us there in verse 38 that she welcomed him into her house. And that word welcomed speaks of uh, to entertain with hospitality. So no doubt it's a direct reference here to probably bringing Jesus and the disciples to her home, feeding them a meal, a time of entertaining them with hospitality. So imagine this, if you would, once Martha knows that Jesus and his team of disciples are coming over for dinner, what that would do to her. I mean, she makes this invitation. Maybe they've developed a little bit of a friendship as he travels through Bethany periodically. And one day she gets up the courage to muster up the, the, the question, to give the invitation, Jesus, would you and your disciples be interested in coming over to our home for dinner? And much to her, uh, no doubt, surprise and probably satisfaction, Jesus says, sure, I'd, I'd love to come over for dinner. But you have to put yourself in Martha's position here. Now she's about to entertain someone in her mind of such importance. I mean, Jesus and his team are coming over her house for dinner. I mean, that's a, a pretty extensive thing. And you know how that works when somebody's having a dinner guest. Maybe you've had a dinner guest before. If you have a dinner guest and you... You deem them important. Maybe the, the boss is coming over for dinner or somebody that in your mind you perceive as important or special, how that kind of puts a pressure on and the need to go to great extents. Well, imagine, as I said, Martha has Jesus and his team coming over to her house for dinner. And Martha, by nature, we know is sort of a, a worker. She's someone who, by nature, tends to just be a doer, a very active person. That's the way that we see her in the Bible. And so here, as we find Martha, no doubt when this invitation comes, it says, verse 40, that she begins to get distracted by much serving, much serving. So you can just picture what happens as they know Jesus is coming. The whole process of busyness starts in this house and no doubt they're doing extra work and they're trying to get everything straightened up. They're basically trying to make the house look like it really doesn't look like, I mean, you know, how that works when you have somebody over, you know, you go over to somebody's house for dinner and you think the same thing I do. This isn't what my house looks like, at least not all week long. So we all know the same. So they're doing all the extra cleaning and making sure everything is perfect. There's a lot of activity and Martha's probably the one coordinating as the matriarch of the home. Do this, do that. And did you, are you sure you clean the toilet and all the, and they're just going through this whole process and, you know, getting everything ready and then the meal and they're cooking everything and it's got to be just perfect. Now, let me just say, as we go through this, there's nothing wrong with the reality of Martha being someone represented as a diligent worker. That was just who Martha was by her temperament. She was just wired to be, you could say, a doer. That's what she was. She just had a nature and a personality that was always laboring. She was a person who was a worker and liked to get things done. 
She was someone who just tended to take on tasks. She was just kind of an active, industrious person as we see her in the Bible. She got things taken care of and she wanted to serve the Lord. And she wants to bless these dinner guests and make it a really wonderful special event. There's nothing wrong with that. And let me just say, we all need Marthas, don't we? We need people who are doers, people who are just active, industrious people who who get things done and do them well. In fact, Jesus himself said on one occasion, the harvest is plentiful, but he said the laborers are few. In other words, from Jesus' estimation, he said what we really need more of, more people who are willing to labor, more people who are actually willing to work. A lot of times there's a lack of people who are actually willing to get work done. And that's a bigger problem Jesus identifies. The Bible all throughout in the book of Proverbs commends diligent workers and families as well as churches need people like this who just being are inclined towards being working and industrious. And again, we have to complement one another with all our different gifts and personalities. Martha's error, we're going to see in our text, is this, and pay attention to it, is she allowed her kind of performance-driven personality to override her spiritual sensitivity. Let me say that again. She allowed her performance-driven personality to override and kind of squelch her spiritual sensitivity. And that's what starts to cause a problem. Look at verse 39. It says, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So at this point, we now meet Mary, the other sister, who at some point during all the activity and then the preparations and the meal event itself, she ceases from all the serving and she comes, the Bible says, and she sits at Jesus's feet and begins to listen to his word and spend time with him. Notice very key word in verse 39. In fact, you might even want to circle it in your Bible. It says that Mary, here's the key word, also sat at Jesus' feet. The implication is, in addition to, she also did this. And I think that's important because we shouldn't look at Mary and say, you know, if you have a Martha person, yeah, these Marys. That's all they ever want to do. No, it says, Mary also sat at Jesus' feet. The idea is, Mary, no doubt, was doing her fair share of the work. She was helping. She was involved, cleaning, cooking. She wasn't just lazily sitting around and refusing to help and, and making everyone else do. That's not the implication the Bible gives of Mary. What the Bible is trying to indicate here is Mary was doing all the work like everyone else in an equal share. But when she realized that there was an opportunity to spend quality time with Jesus, when she realized that Jesus went over there on the couch and he just started a Bible study, When she realized, hey, we have the Lord in our house right now, she also, on top of all the working, went and sat at Jesus' feet too. The idea is in addition to doing work and serving as well. The idea is she also took a break from all the working and went and sat at Jesus' feet. She saw the value of stopping doing more work or a little more work. She pulled away from the service and the food prep and refrained from work. And rather than being consumed in that, she went and concentrated her attention for a period of time of just spending time together with the Lord. She took a break from work in order to spend some quality time with Jesus. And again, apparently at some point during the course of this meal and gathering, I just picture Jesus after the meal he just as he often would do he just probably began to share 
And he began to talk about spiritual truths and the things of the kingdom of God. And upon noticing this, Mary recognizes what Jesus is starting to do. And her heart is inclined to want to hear what Jesus might say. And Mary hears a great picture because she had a desire not just to do work for Jesus, but also to spend time with Jesus and to just be with Jesus and hear from Jesus. And again, her spiritual sensitivity, she goes over and sits at his feet. And here's what's interesting. All three times you encounter Mary in the gospel records, she's always at the feet of Jesus. This just was a characterizing mark of her personality and a characterizing trait of her life is she was often at the feet of Jesus. Boy, Mary gives us a great example of that. Here in Luke chapter 10, we see her at the feet of Jesus, eager to hear his word. That is, she recognized the value of, yes, there are things to be done and there's work and there's responsibility, but you know what? That should never supersede my eagerness to sometimes stop doing stuff and sit at Jesus' feet and hear what he might want to say to me and spend a little time in his presence and the value of spending time with him and letting him speak to us. It says she sat at the Lord's feet there in verse 39 in order to hear his word. In other words, that was the reason she sat at his feet. The reason she sat at his feet is I want to hear his word. And that needs to be a reason sometimes we sit at Jesus' feet because you want to hear his word. And guess what? One of the best ways to hear his word is sometimes you got to stop doing stuff and sit down and be quiet for just a few minutes so you can hear his word and so that he can speak to you. So that was the reason, but it also was the result. Because she stopped and sat at his feet, that's why she heard his word. I don't know why I don't feel like the Lord's speaking to me. Well, maybe if we took time to sit down at his feet, then the result would be we would hear his word. And we would hear what the Lord would want to say to us. She believed that there were things Jesus wanted to say and, and that she needed to hear. In John chapter 11, we see another time Mary's at Jesus' feet. And there we find her in John 11 at the feet of Jesus again. But there she's expressing her concerns to the Lord. That's the occasion, remember, where the death of her brother happened, a, a major life tragedy. Lazarus dies. Her brother passes away. I mean, a loss of a loved one. Some of you, even this holiday season, may be grieving and struggling during the holiday time all the more because of the loss of a relative, a loved one, someone who is close to you. That's hard, painful, difficult experience in this life. And so at that point, we find Jesus there in the midst of this, and we find Mary at Jesus' feet expressing her concern. She's just pouring out her soul to the Lord about the grief of how hard it was losing her brother and she's just struggling with her questions and her feelings and all of her emotions and she's processing the struggles in her life and Mary there at Jesus' feet in John 11 shows us the best way to process struggles in your life is at the feet of Jesus. Not on the couch of a counselor. Not saying is there a prescription for that. It's at the feet of Jesus. Do you have concerns, problems, struggles, difficulties? Are they heightened sometimes by the holidays? Well, yeah. At the feet of Jesus, who's the greatest therapist, the greatest counselor, and offers the greatest sedative, it's called peace in your heart. Peace that passes understanding. That's found at the feet of Jesus. 
Sitting at his feet, expressing your concerns is another reason to be at his feet. And then in John 12, we find that other occasion, Mary is at Jesus' feet. And it's that beautiful story in John chapter 12 where she's engaging in worship. Remember there, it's right before Jesus goes to the cross. And Mary, it seems, just discerned and she was sensitive. Something's troubling the Lord. Well, he was about to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And that was troubling as an innocent, righteous, holy son of God that he was going to bear the sin of the world. And she senses this, so she wants to bless Jesus. So she takes the most valuable, precious thing she has. Remember that spikenard oil, very costly, valuable, the most important, expensive, valuable thing she has. And she goes to Jesus and she breaks it all over him and she just anoints him for his burial because she knows what's going to happen. And then she starts to wipe his feet with her hair in this humble act before everyone else in the room of just reverent worship and adoration towards Jesus. And there Mary represents to us that reminder that giving Jesus our best, our absolute best of our life and everything we possess is the greatest way to show him worship, that we want to honor him and that despite even how we're feeling or we may be thinking that Jesus is still always worthy of being worshiped. And that he's worthy of our worship and giving our absolute best to him. You know, a good way to kind of evaluate ourselves this morning. How are we doing in regards to this area, as Mary represents here, of being at the feet of Jesus? And sitting at the feet of Jesus is a, a indication, a picture, listen, of ceasing from activity. Whatever that is. Ceasing from activity so that you can sit still with your God. And just sitting still so that you might be able to, as I said, hear his word and let the Lord speak to you. I need God to tell me stuff sometimes. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord to speak to me. I need to hear something from the Lord once in a while because I need a lot of direction in my life. And sometimes I need my mind to be recalibrated and I need my heart to be adjusted and my attitude to be fixed. Should I go on? And so I need the Lord to talk to me once in a while on a daily basis, if not more. And I find that mainly happens when I sit at his feet and hear his word. And I don't know about you, but sometimes just like you, I struggle with things and thoughts and feelings. And we all go through hard experiences as human beings. And, and, and you, you got to process those things and cope with those things. Well, you know one of the greatest coping mechanisms is, I found, is just sitting at the Lord's feet. And just talking to the Lord and pouring out my heart to the Lord and telling the Lord because it helps talking to him more than it does talking to anybody else. Not that I don't like talking to you, but it helps. And just sitting at his feet and, and just pouring out your heart before the Lord and letting him listen and help you process those things. And as well, I need, like Mary here, at times to sit at the feet of Jesus and just give him worship. And express to him how good he is, despite how bad the world may be or what's going on. And though Mary, here we see her pausing from the, the preparations and the activity to sit at Jesus' feet. Notice as we go on, Martha's need-to-be-occupied personality wouldn't let her do that. Martha had that personality where he just, you know, something was wrong if she wasn't doing something. And sometimes that's a struggle for some of us. You know, we have a need-to-be-occupied personality. And that need-to-be-occupied personality wouldn't allow Martha in the text, it seems, to stop as Mary did and go sit at Jesus' feet. Look at verse 40. It says, in contrast now to Mary who sat at Jesus' feet, 
also and took time to do that. But Martha, contrast, was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So here's Martha. She's fully engrossed in all the preparations, the work and the meal and the service and the event. And she's so consumed with needing to, needing to meet her goals and that everything would be up to her standard of ideals and the way it needs to be done. Ultimately, this causes her attitude to get really unhealthy. Can you tell that by verse 40 there? She seems a little testy. She seems a little irritable maybe. And all of a sudden, her attitude starts to get bad and she's just all overwhelmed. And as a result, what's she doing? Well, two things, very clear. She's ignoring Jesus. That's not usually good. And she's being really rude to her sister. And here in the story, why? Because it says, look at it, she's distracted with much serving. That is doing things. The word distract, by definition, means this. To turn aside, to draw or direct one's attention to a different object now take note of that to turn aside to draw or direct one's attention to a different object would you agree let's give martha accommodation martha started well she's the one that invited jesus over doesn't say mary did martha started out well she put her attention on jesus she said hey we should give him a good meal and bless him she started out focused on jesus being hospitable but verse 40 says but then her attention was turned to another object but then she was distracted, it says, turned aside from what? Paying attention to Jesus. She was turned aside to other things and her attention comes off of Jesus and she's preoccupied and consumed with the labors and the efforts and she's ruled by tasks because maybe Martha, like some of us, found her identity and fulfillment in completing tasks. Some people find their identity that way. I did this, I accomplished that today, and I accomplished that, that, and that today. And some people find their identity in what they do. And what they do, and if they do a lot and they do things, they find their identity and their validation. The problem with that performance-driven personality is it caused Martha's focus to be pulled away from what really mattered most in her life, which was Jesus. And now as a result, what's unfortunate is the distraction and the feeling that's displayed there in verse 40 of her being all overwhelmed and agitated and irritable. Listen, it was all self-imposed. It was all self-imposed. And here's what I mean by that. It was simply because of Martha's own expectation she had as a human being that everything when Jesus came over had to be like this. I mean, just that's how it has to be. It's got to be like this. That's how we always do it every Christmas. It's got to be like that. If it's not like that, I'm going to kill everybody this Christmas because that's how Christmas rolls, right? Well, we laugh because we, to some degree, all know that or we know someone like that that we're praying for, right? And, and it's Martha's own sense of her expectations she has her own set of expectations. She's created these ideals of how it has to be. And now her own expectations and her own ideals are crushing her. She can't bear up under the weight of them. And her own ideals and expectations are stressing her out and causing her to be overwhelmed. And she's straining underneath of that 
I would be fair to guess that her expectations were not Jesus' expectations. They were her expectations. Jesus is having a nice little Bible study. Her standards perhaps weren't Jesus' standards. And look, that's a tendency with Martha's. They set and create expectations and ideals, and then they struggle to keep up with the expectations. And they struggle to keep up with their ideals and their standards. And then all of a sudden, they start becoming overwhelmed and agitated and stressed out. And a lot of times, that's what then steals from their fellowship with Jesus. And it steals from them sitting down at the feet of the Lord on a regular basis and receiving from him and stop doing other things and putting those things aside just temporarily. You can always go back to them and go in and sit in at Jesus' feet for a little bit. Sound familiar? Maybe yourself? Or as I said, maybe someone that you're praying for that you know tends to be like that and the same kind of thing happens to them as happens here with Martha in this story. Notice what she's distracted by as well. I mean, it says verse 40, she's distracted by, I have it circled, much serving. Much serving. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Much, that implies domestic duties. Trying to cook a good meal, right? Trying to have a nice clean house for your guests and, and the perfect meal. She wants to do something nice for Jesus. She wants to bless the, the people that are there in her home as a guest. And, but yeah, all this becomes a distraction that pulls her away from spending time with the Lord. And I think the lesson there, and we should not overlook it, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Even good things can become a distraction from spending time together with Jesus, from sitting at the Lord's feet and hearing his word. Domestic duties, the cooking and the cleaning, caring for kids. Oh, are you telling me I can ignore my kids? I'm not saying you can ignore your kids. <laughs> but listen, we, we, our kids are older now. They're all young adult age. But you know, we tried to be very wise in regards to my wife was at home full time with the children while I was at work. And, and we kind of established something the children understood. Listen, mommy's going to spend some time with Jesus right now. So you need to sit there and read a book. I mean, they didn't have their own cell phones at three years old back then. So... You need to sit there and read a book or play with a toy. Mommy's going to spend some time with Jesus, and so you need to do something quiet for the next however long. And, and again, is that anything? What are we implying to our kids? It's important that I spend some time with Jesus, and I want to spend some time with Jesus. And then it got to a point where while I'm doing this, and guess, now they spend time with Jesus because they realize, well, Mommy's nicer when she spends time with Jesus. Not that she's not always nice. She's always nice. That, that wasn't of the Spirit. That was probably of the flesh. But she's, it's a valuable thing, right? Because it affects who we are in our heart and our mind and our attitude. And, and again, whether, look, whether it's your work or your job, I'm not saying don't work hard, don't earn money, don't be... That's not what I'm saying, be irresponsible. But listen, I, th there's a time and a place where you need to stop and spend some time with Jesus. And I, I challenge you this. Try spending a little time with Jesus and watch if your day's maybe not more productive. What would have took you 14 hours might take you 12. <laughs> or, oh, I, just, I can't get up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Well, then you know what? At lunch, don't talk to people. Eat your lunch with Jesus. Oh, he's not friendly. No, I'm not friendly. I'm just having fellowship with Jesus. It's not a matter of when. It's just a matter of that we need to. 
that there's value in doing that. So again, whether it's even spiritual service or ministry, we all need to be careful because we live in a culture in America where my personal perspective is we almost have this mindset that the busier your life or the busier your family, the better your life. That's almost how we view life as Americans. We got a great life. Why? Because we run ourselves ragged. I mean, just five nights a week. I mean, we are at basketball, then golf, then ballet, then dancing, then we and, and just and we and, and we're in this and we're on every club and, and and people the busier their life is, they equate busyness with a better life. That's not necessarily true from what I see, certainly from a spiritual perspective. Accomplishment and achievement, we, we hold that out as successful, but look, what are we really accomplishing? And is it helping us to have better family lives? I see a lot of families falling apart. I see a lot of marriages struggling. I see a lot of kids being neglected. And I wonder, hmm, is all that busyness really that good? Oh, we don't have time for this or that, or we don't have to, just because we are good. Well, hmm, I don't know. Maybe as for me and my household, if we serve the Lord first, and then whatever else, we did other things. But for us, it was, yeah, we'll we'll do baton, we'll do other things, but we worship Jesus first. And then whatever else we have time for, we'll do that afterwards. And you know what? I don't know. I enjoyed myself, and the rest of the family might not have. I think we had a pretty good life. But it affects. When we take that time to sit at the Lord's feet, the reason behind many followers of Jesus not living healthy, fruitful, spiritual lives, I think, is because they're distracted with serving all kinds of other things. And they're so busy serving other things, something else. Again, not necessarily even bad things. She was just serving. But serving other things, and it pulls away from what could have been in their spiritual experience. And it kind of quenches the fruitfulness. Notice the outcome and results of Mary's distraction, verse 40. Look kind of where she's at. Martha's continuing to to work and Martha's trying to stay occupied and Mary now is over sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know how this works. She's starting to get probably bothered and frustrated. She's watching Mary just sitting there enjoying the Bible study. She's probably smiling and, and, and she's just working. Now she's getting probably agitated and irritable. I can't believe she's... And Mary's not observing her expectations. So she's starting to get bothered. And what's interesting is it tells us there in verse 40, that she then it says look at it approached Jesus what's interesting is the language there in the Greek she approached that word approached literally means to barge in or thrust upon a person for confrontation so it's not like she just walked up pardon me the idea is that she barged in in a somewhat aggressive way and she actually becomes so upset. I mean, look what it says in the text there. She rudely interrupts Jesus in the middle of his Bible study. And then she starts challenging the Lord for causing a distraction. Can't you see we're trying to do things a certain way here? I mean, you're ruling our holiday, Jesus. What are you doing? It's Christmas Eve service stuff. At four o'clock, that doesn't work for us. Because things got to be this way or I'm going to kill somebody. Right? I mean... And she's upset with Jesus because he's teaching. She marches in, she barges in on Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her 
to help me. So she just gets upset. She interrupts Jesus. She criticizes her sister in front of everybody. And you know that was an awkward moment. I mean, you ever been at somebody's house before for dinner or something and kind of that, you know, same kind of thing. You're in and all of a sudden a tense moment happens. Maybe the husband and a wife, you can tell something went amiss or there's a tenseness or the family. And all of a sudden it's like, this is really awkward. I guarantee you this is one of those like, whoa, this is really awkward as Martha goes in there and, Lord, what are you doing? And tell her to, and this is probably one of those very awkward moments. And notice her attitude revealed there in verse 40 of not sitting at Jesus' feet. Look at the fruit of her hard attitude and behavior of not sitting at Jesus' feet. I see a few things. First of all, would you agree? She's clearly very irritable. She's agitated. She's upset and overwhelmed, lacking peace, lacking joy, lacking kindness. That's one of the indications of not sitting at the feet of Jesus sometimes. Notice as well there in verse 40, she's challenging and questioning the nature of the Lord and blaming him. Lord, don't you care? She's questioning the way Jesus is doing things. She's questioning that Jesus doesn't care. Let me just say, whenever I think the Lord is doing something wrong, I need to sit down and take inventory. She's questioning the Lord. As well, notice there, she's critical towards her sister becoming mean-spirited and unkind. She's miserable. She's left me. I have these expectations. She's not meeting my expectations. So now she's critically speaking towards her sister and in front of others. She's upset and she's getting pushy and demanding. She tells Jesus, tell her to help me. Stop your Bible study. Tell her to come help me. We got work to do. Enough of this worship Bible study stuff. I mean, think about what she's doing here. Her attitude is all in a, in a funk, but oftentimes, can I say, that's a lot of times a little bit of a clear byproduct and some of the fruit that reveals when maybe we haven't been sitting at the feet of Jesus. When we kind of start to get like that and we find ourselves behaving in similar ways as we see Martha here. Well, look what Jesus does, verse 41. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus gently expresses her problem and struggle, and he explains a better path to her here. Now, Jesus here is very gentle when he says to her, Martha, Martha. He's not abrading her. He's, he's not here, again, kind of being firm and trying to embarrass her in return. And again, think of it. This is the Lord. I mean, he could have been pretty firm with her at this point. I mean, look at the way she's behaving. I mean, he could have really kind of put her in her place and set her straight. But Jesus, very lovingly and kindly, with compassion, tries to just help her see clearly where she's struggling and get her back on that path. So seeing her condition, in verse 41, he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled. The word worried means pulled in many different directions. M Martha, you, you're just totally unsettled within. It's like your mind is all over the place. You're just completely divided and distracted. And then he says, you're not only worried and consumed with so many things, but he says you're troubled. The word there means to be agitated. It speaks of a person being in a condition where they're overly concerned, so they're uptight and they're just stressed out and so anxious because of what they're concerned about. And what is that because of? Jesus says you're worried and upset because of, he says, last two words, verse 41, many things. 
many things. Again, Martha's own personal standards of what is necessary and so important. There were certain things that needed to be done, but, but Martha added to the list too much. Her standards were what were causing her her own problems and the pressure putting upon herself that this had to be done and done a certain way in an exact way. And now it's causing her to get all thrown out of whack and she's beginning to get angry and upset and agitated and controlling and causing unhealthy effects. So Jesus there explains to her in verse 42 how she might turn the corner on this. He doesn't want to see her in this condition. He says to her, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, he says, is needed. Mary's chosen that good part. Notice Jesus says only one thing is needed. He's saying, Martha, from my perspective, I only have one expectation. All these expectations you put upon yourself, they're not my expectations. I have one expectation that you'd be in right relationship with me. Martha, that's my one expectation for you. Everything else will flow out of it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow all the issues of life. And so Jesus says, I only have one expectation. Only one thing from my perspective is needed. And he holds up Mary's choice of that good part or that good decision from verse 39, which was sitting at his feet and hearing his words. She took time to do that. So Jesus shows on top of doing all the other life responsibilities, which we should do, but he says on top of all those other things, he says sitting at his feet, and notice this, sitting at his feet is both needed and good. Only one thing is needed, and Mary chose what was good. Sitting at the feet of Jesus for all of us is both needed and good. It's needed because I can't manufacture a spiritual life. A spiritual life must be received. That's why Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're like weak branches. And he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And unless the branch stays connected and plugged into the vine, the sap doesn't flow and the branch can't produce anything of fruitfulness on its own. We have to receive spiritual life and receive spiritual fruitfulness and therefore it's needed. One thing is needed, what? I need to stay connected to Jesus. I need to spend time with Jesus so the sap of his spirit can be at work in my life so that I can be who he wants me to be as a Christ follower producing Christian fruit and experiencing what a Christian is genuinely supposed to be. And if we neglect time with the Lord, listen, if you neglect time with the Lord, I neglect time with the Lord, you and I are neglecting the most needed thing in your entire life. He says one thing is needed. Do you hear that? Jesus says, look, it's, why do I got to sit at Jesus' feet? Because it's needed. It's needed. We need to sit at Jesus' feet. It's a needed thing in our life. That's why it should be built into your life as a discipline because it's a needed thing for us. And on top of that, he says it's not only needed, but he says it's good. Mary's chosen the good part. And you know what? Again, don't we always benefit by spending time with the Lord? The psalmist tells us in Psalm 73, Asaph, who was struggling as a believer in this crazy world, he said this, it is good for me that I draw near to God. It's good for us. I don't know about you, but it's really good for me to cease from doing stuff, to cease from doing things and to spend time with the Lord. It's good for me. Not just that it's needed, I need it, but it's also good for me. It changes the way I 
perceive things and respond to things. It changes the way I make decisions and my attitudes and actions. And in order to sit with the Lord for some portion of time, ultimately benefits something very good inside of every one of us. But it's something we have to see that, man, that's needed. You have to really believe that. You got to believe that's needed. It's not optional. It's needed. It's needed and it's good. It produces what's good in our lives. And because of the value of sitting with Jesus, that's why Jesus honors that. He says to Martha, despite her great disruption, he says, Martha, sorry, that's not going to be taken away from her. I'm not going to stop her from sitting at my feet so she can, you know, make the linguine taste a little better. I mean, I'm sorry, Martha. This, she needs to do this. I'm not taking... Now, what is Jesus reminding us there? Jesus is reminding us there of this is despite how important other things are and may seem, from his perspective, nothing is as important as spending time with him. And he, he won't see anything else in our life as more important than spending time with him. Because look, ladies and gentlemen, that's the reason for our existence. To walk with the Lord. To know the Lord. When you enter into eternity... That's what you're going to be doing, worshiping and spending time with the Lord. It's a part of who we are and what we're eternally headed for. So Jesus jealously protects this. But notice as well, verse 42, very crucial, is Jesus indicates in verse 42 that there was a choice involved. You see what he says? Look at it again. One thing is needed. Mary has, here's another circle word in my Bible, Mary has chosen that good part. She's chosen it. That implies her will was involved. It didn't just happen automatically. She didn't just automatically stop working, stop doing things, stop busyness. She chose to go sit at Jesus' feet. She exercised her will in a conscious, disciplined, intentional decision to put Jesus first. She made a decision, listen, not to do something else in order to go sit at Jesus' feet. And sometimes, let us remember we may have to say no to other things in order to say yes to sitting at Jesus' feet. You may have to say no to one other thing in order to say yes to just spend a little time with the Lord each day. You need to say no to something else to come and be in the house of God and sit at His feet and worship on a regular basis. We have to choose to do that. We have to determine and make a decision. And one of the biggest challenges, again, in America is we have so many stinking options to keep us busy and occupied. We have so many things at our fingertips that we can get involved in and so many opportunities. It causes a lot of distraction in America for Christians. And we struggle with being distracted and pulled away rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving the benefits and doing what matters to him most. Rest from labor and activity and time alone with the Lord sometimes is one of the most needed, good, and, and sacred things we could all do in our lives a little bit more. But again, let us never forget that it is a choice. Our spiritual lives need to be nurtured. They need to be nourished. They don't automatically become fruitful and, and stay healthy. And you'd be like somebody with, you know, uh, trying to get more healthy physically in better shape or whatever, and you say, I just, I mean, no, I don't go to the gym. I just, I don't understand why I keep gaining weight or why I just don't want, I just, I get so winded. Well, do you go to the gym? No. Why don't you decide to go to the gym tomorrow? I, I don't know, but I'm tired of being winded when I go up the stairs. Well, listen, until you choose to exercise, you're not going to get, right? Any more healthy physically. It's the same applies spiritually. For some reason, we can't grasp that concept as Christians or we ignore it or something. 
Well, I don't understand why sometimes I feel weak and anemic spirits. I don't understand why sometimes I, I feel all irritable and out of sorts. And people look at you and go, that's what being a Christian is? If that's what being a Christian is. Or, or sometimes we find ourselves struggling with you know, sin to some degree. I wish I had more power to overcome sin. Well, listen. The Bible says we have to exercise ourselves towards godliness, just like you exercise to get healthy in any other way. We need to spend time with the Lord. And we have to choose, just like you choose to go to a gym or the discipline of exercising or eating a certain way. You've got to choose to sit at Jesus' feet. You've got to make a choice to do that. That's something very important for us. Take inventory. Look, hey, it's Christmas week. Did you notice that? What might you do differently for Christmas week in light of this? Maybe your life this last year and heading into another year. Maybe some lifestyle and routines. Is there anything you need to change? Maybe to adjust a little bit? To see if something different unfolds in the year ahead? Again, it won't just happen automatically. I can't emphasize this enough. It won't just happen. You have to, I have to choose to spend time with Jesus. Think about it. He wants to spend time with you. Why ignore the Lord? Man, the Lord wants to spend time with you. What an incredible thing to really ponder. And I tell you, your life and your inner condition will change if you put Jesus first. I'm telling you, here's my pastoral Christmas gift. Choose to spend time with Jesus in your life as the highest priority over anything and everyone else and watch what happens to your life. Watch what will happen to your life good and beneficial things will come about. Why don't we stand together?